now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout out this morning to all those listening in Wingham, New South Wales on 88.0, Harvey Bay, Queensland on 88.0 and Bansdale, Victoria also on 88.0. Great work. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? I did 17,000 steps yesterday. Which is... How far is that? A lot. I don't know. I just walked a lot of steps. That is I, I went cool. for a you hike should, yesterday, which was club. great. Oh that's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just... It was it's a beautiful day. Dude, it was fantastic. Actually, the last two days, like, I've just been hanging out and doing amazing things. It's kind of been... Yesterday was a weird kind of a day, actually, yeah. weather-wise. But it had beautiful moments, and then it would dump, and then it would be beautiful again. But both Wednesday and Thursday, it was, like, touted to rain... And then it didn't really until like some few periods. And so there was plenty of time to do all kinds of amazing outdoor activities. And then today it's just like bucketing down. Yes. Like it is torrential. It has arrived. Yeah, that's correct. It's been threatening to arrive for the last two days. That's it's right. Now here. And now it's here. So. But you got out and made the most of it. Dude, it was the best. Where'd you walk? Uh, so went out to Glenrock Lagoon. Cool. It did a big walk there. Went motorbike riding yesterday as well. Nice. Food. Had a great time and, um, yeah, just getting out, living my best life. Oh, wow. I wish I'd have been out on a motorbike yesterday. Unfortunately, I was not. <laughs> I was chasing car parts all over the place, which oh, I classic. didn't find. Yeah, I need a Lyle Southwell activity. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Time for our question of, our, not our question, our quiz question. First mm-hmm. quiz question of the, the day. The first quiz question of the day because, of course, towards the end of the show this morning, we are going to be giving away our books. We're yes. going to be spinning the wheel. Small library hitting someone's direction. That's right. But, hey, our first question of this morning, what did Joseph do for the butler and the baker? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win keywords of the Christian faith. I have a future and he comes by Rainder Bruinsma. Amazing books about how we can embolden our relationship with Jesus, where he is right now, where he will be and how we can relate with him. But again, that question was, what did Joseph do for the butler and the baker, 0491-064-669. All right, if you know the answer, you know the number to call, so give us a call right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we're going to hear some positively different news. Lawson, bring it to us. NASA has done it again. Cool. They ran into some stuff. Oh? And... It broke something? Broke, and it blew up, and it was awesome. But this is the thing. It's what they wanted to do. Okay. So I talked about the story, I think a couple of months ago, I talked about the Dart aircraft. And basically the purpose of this aircraft, it's got like this big kind of cone on the front. The purpose of this aircraft is to run into asteroids and break them up. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's literally a space battering ram. Yes. And over the last few days, they've done their first tests with the Dart. In right. space. Yes. And they've been successful. This thing is just running into rocks left, right, and center and breaking them up. How big a rocks does it break up? Uh, so 
this particular well <laughs> it's actually funny the the rocks were like seven million miles away which is <laughs> yeah it's a long way <laughs> quite a distance um but the dart hit them at a speed of fourteen thousand miles per hour oh what's that in kilometers which is like oh, like lots like almost thirty thousand kilometers no probably no, like twenty thousand six i don't know well, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm out with my calculations, but these rocks that it was be, they were bigger than the dart themselves. Fourteen thousand miles was it? Oh, I've got one hundred forty thousand. Let me take a zero oh, off. Come on, La. Okay, that will be twenty-two and a half thousand kilometers. There you go. So, an hour. Act- yeah, just absolute breakneck speed. Uh-huh. Obviously, the speeds that you can achieve in space because it's a vacuum, you can't. It's, it's pretty much impossible to hit a speed like that here on Earth. But it doesn't have any information about how big these rocks are, but we can see that they're bigger than the dart themselves. And the dart's just gone in, just flown in, blown these rocks up. So that's four times the speed of the fastest bullet ever made. That's right, yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and this is like an air ca- aircraft that is... a quite sizable as well. But again, it's flying through a vacuum, so it can that's just, right. just... got no friction, nothing to slow it down. That's right. It just goes. But oh, I, th- I, I think this story is amazing. We now have the ability to wage war against rocks in space. Yes. What what more could we need? Well, the question is, what <laughs> else will this be used for? Oh, that's right. What else are we going to be attacking in space? Yes, what other nefarious... Or, or what nefarious uses could this be put to? Hmm... Well, we'll see. But, hey, the tests have been successful. In other technology news, the first ever, the world's first electric sea glider has been tested and approved for flight, to which it's now being commercially produced. A sea glider. It's a sea glider. A sea glider, so you can see it. No, it goes on the sea while. (laughs) It's a a seaplane. So... The advantage of this is that you can land it in the dam in your backyard. Sure. The advantage over, say, a VTOL electric drone? It goes on the ocean, Lyle. This is the point. This is a sea glider. So this is, like, obviously we've talked in the last couple of weeks about eVTOL, so electric vertical takeoff and landing cars that they're making, which is amazing. But this is the first ever electric Seaplane. Okay, that's cool. Which I, is I like cool. Seaplanes. Which is awesome. Yeah. Seaplanes are like incredibly cool. I know. So out where I grew up in a little suburb here in the Lake Macquarie area called Rathmines, there used to be a yes major uh, seaplane base. That's right. Well, there used to be a big army base there. They've now, you know, it's just a big slab of concrete that you know the boys get out and do burnouts on. Um, but. A couple of times a year they get out and do the big gathering of the seaplanes and they take off. So I, I've spent like a my, – and my dad's super into – my dad's into two things, war and cool technology, which I think is a lot so of – So your dad would really enjoy the – the, the um, that one day a year when they all get that's together. That's right. He's like, also jump in the car. Let's go. Like, this is like my childhood, bro. Like, yes. flashbacks, jumping in the car with my dad and heading down and checking out the big planes. And, you know, like, they've got all the kind of World War II designs with, like, the shark mouth on the front of the seaplane. Because they've got, like, some old planes and stuff out there as well. I was so young. I don't know it what was, It was a Catalina base. Th- that's right. That's yes. right. And so, and so, yeah, like, 
my dad would be super into this, but I've, I've been around seaplanes a lot in my life. Maybe not as much as other people, but I've seen a lot of seaplanes. And, uh, yeah, this is amazing. Imagine having an electric seaplane. You just like, wait, wait, wait. this one's a glider though. Yeah. So How do you have an electric glider. I thought the whole point of a glider was that it doesn't need electricity, right? What do you mean? Why would it, if it's a glider? Well, gliders don't have engines. Well, what's the electricity for? Well, to to power it through the water to then take <laughs> off and glide. Uh, I see. So this is the thing. It's like it's it, it it goes up on foils. Yes. And glides along the water with a propeller. Oh, and so then it's okay, okay, okay. And okay, then you pull ne- back on the right? sticks, and then it will and then whoosh, fly as well. Fly. Yeah, Lyle. All right. I want. I. I. I, I don't is, have a clear picture Lyle, in my mind of what it looks like. I this just is, want this to is try. The, it. This is the picture right here. Okay. So it's got some some interesting looking wings. It's up on foils. It's propellers. I just want to have a turn in the water. And you, you you go around and you see glider. Yeah, you just pull back on the stick and take off. Now, it looks more like of a lake glider than a sea glider to me. Nah. Well, if you can put it on a lake, you can put it in the sea. I don't see it coping well with an ocean swell. Well, this is the thing. Like, the model is actually scale, so it's a, a bit smaller than the official one that they're going to be building. Okay. Okay. They're going to be building up, and you'll have, you know, lots of seats in there that you can take passengers in and whatnot. It's actually super cool. It's incredibly cool. Like, this is, this is like... I love how the, the uh, leading edge of the wing has a row of tiny little electric engines on it mm. with propellers yeah. that don't actually change the profile of the wing mm-hmm. and you don't have big like engine pod hanging out there somewhere. That's right. Yeah. But that's because that's the most interesting thing about a seaplane, you know, you like sit in there and the, the propellers get going and it gets revved up and revved up and then starts slowly moving across the water and quicker and quicker and then takes off, you know, whereas this would just be like, you just press the button and it just like, it's gone. It's a seaplane. Uh-huh. It's electric. It's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, this is actually being built by a company that's running out of Rhode Island, New York, and has they've raised like $10 million just to build the, the prototype here from people like Mark Cuban, like famous wealthy investors and whatnot. So there's backing behind this. We should see this coming soon. And this is an area because I've talked about eVTOL before, and the biggest thing, the biggest problem with eVTOL and, like, flying cars is how do you police people not running into each other in the air? Now, Oh, it's like you just put lots of sensors on it. But then it's like, then how much can control? If it's just got sensors that stop you from doing anything, like how much control do you actually have over flying it? But if it's EV tall, well, it's not EV tall, it's a sea glider that's in the water. Like, there's no traffic in the water. uh, Like speedboats? Well, yeah, but you fly over those guys, you know. <laughs> so you've got infinitely are you more in the water space. Or are you in the air? You've got you infinitely, to... and that's the cool thing. You're in the water one second, and then pull back on the stick in the yeah, air. You can so troll everybody. With oh, this thing. oh, you can Head play out. like games of chicken, chicken on the lake across Lake Lake Macquarie. Little sailing boat out there somewhere. Little They're like freaking sail, out, yep, and then you just pull up, the top. go over. But this is this is amazing technology. Yes. And finally, I have one more story here. Uh, extensive study has been done into whether dogs can dogs can sniff a lot of things, all kinds of diseases, including COVID. There've, there's been extensive study done into whether dogs can sniff and differentiate between a person's mental state. And they found that dogs can sniff saliva of stressed people, 
and as a result, determine that they're stressed. That's pretty incredible. Dogs That's, are the most amazing creatures they are I have awesome. ever come across. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. About to have more serious news before we do. Lawson is going to bring us another clue for our quiz. James described the Ten Commandments as the law of what? Zero four nine one. 064-669 is the number to call. You will go into the draw, which is being drawn at around 8.45 today for the keywords of the Christian faith. I have a future, and he comes by Reinder Bruinsma. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. James, describe the Ten Commandments as the law of what? Okay, so Andrew Vanderbilt passed away earlier this week. Some of you may have missed that. Um, but for those of you who don't know who Andrew Vanderbilt is, and Lawson's giving me a bit of a blank look I right have no now. No idea that is. Okay, so Andrew Vanderbilt is also better known as Brother Andrew or God Smuggler or the founder of Open Doors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about this for a moment because this is an individual who has had a massive impact on Christianity. Uh, for more than 60 years, he visited over 125 countries smuggling Bibles into those countries. He became a Bible smuggler, a professional Bible smuggler, and his actions have literally changed millions of lives and Mm. eternities. We, I, can, I can remember when back in the nineteen, the late, the early nineteen nineties, I should say, when the Iron Curtain fell, and the opportunity became available to go into so many of the Soviet bloc countries and to evangelize. How that the gospel just literally exploded in those countries. Mm. Thousands of people being baptized every day. It was something that we had never, ever seen anything like before. And this was as a result of the hard work put in by Brother Andrew going in there and sowing the seeds. Mm. He just started off with a little Volkswagen, just smuggling Bibles across borders and became a professional Bible smuggler. There were times when he would have his Volkswagen so loaded with Bibles that they were literally just... Boxes of Bibles all around him. He drove mm. up to the border, like he drove up to the Romanian border one time, with his car packed to the eyeballs with Bibles, hoping that you know the border guards weren't sort of doing major checks that day. And as he came up to the border guards, he saw that they were get, taking everybody out and going through their cars. Mm. And he's like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to jail. Mm. And so he's like, well, let's just pray for a miracle. And he took out um, three Bibles, put them on the dash in plain sight drove up to the border guard, and the border guard just waved him through and stopped the next person. That is so epic. That is amazing. <laughs> just, and, and you read God Smuggler, you will read story after story after story like that. Mm. One time they decided to take a barge of Bibles from Hong Kong, back when Hong Kong was British, a barge of Bibles from Hong Kong to China. Mm. And they took all of the boxes and they wrapped them in plastic, waterproof plastic, so they waterproofed all the boxes, and they made contact with you know Chinese locals on mainland China to come and collect these Bibles, and they sent this barge across in the middle of the night, and they had about half unloaded, and a Chinese patrol came walking down the beach and was like, what's going on here? And so then the Chinese, all, all of the Chinese people just sort of scattered into the darkness, and the patrol then was like, well, what are we going to do with all of these uh, Bibles? So they... Uh, pushed the barge out off the shore a little bit and threw all of the boxes of Bibles into the ocean. Mm. 
Some fishermen, Chinese fishermen, caught some of them in their nets. Wow. Found out that they were super valuable on the black market. Mm. And for the next three months, they were just fishing for Bibles <laughs> because it was so much more profitable than fish. Yeah, wow. And so all those Bibles were recovered. So literally millions of Bibles that he smuggled into places like Poland, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, East Germany, Bulgaria, uh, and so many other Soviet bloc countries, including Asia and so forth. And it really sowed the seeds that enabled the explosion of Christianity Mm. when the Iron Curtain came down. Uh, He rose to prominence with his book God Smuggler, which was published in 1967. He didn't write that book himself. Other people uh, sat down and interviewed him and and wrote the book about him, and it led to the uh, creation of Open Doors, which is a major organization today. Uh, Operating in over 60 countries, Open Doors is distributing 300,000 Bibles a day. A day? Day. A day. Uh, 1.5 million Christian uh, training uh, books, training materials, discipleship manuals every day. Along with that, Open Doors offers relief, aid, community development, trauma counseling, uh, while advocating for the persecuted churches worldwide. So they are the major persecution watchdog, along with uh, Voice of the Martyrs that we talk to on a regular basis Mm. here in Australia. Mm. So Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors, probably two big ones when it comes to uh, people who are persecution watchdogs and who are providing aid to persecuted Christians. Of course, Open Doors has that um, extra bit of you know smuggling Bibles to places where you can't get Bibles. Mm. And so, of course, we can't tell modern-day stories about what they're doing because that would hamper their efforts. We yeah, can tell right. lots of historical stories and tell those all day long. But you know that there are things going on. And this is important because, you know, we live in a world where people are continually being persecuted. There was a lady yesterday who was poisoned to death in Uganda wow. uh, because she became a Christian. She went to church one evening. Um, she she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She came back. Uh, her mother asked, you know, where have you been? What have you done? She's like, I've been at church. Uh, I've become a Christian. Um, her mother made her a meal passed her the meal, walked out, mother hasn't been seen again. She died within hours from poisoning um, and left a three-year-old child. She was a single mother to an Islamic man who was already married. Mm. And, yeah, just massive tragedies like that, mm. you know, where it's becoming a Christian is seen as being a, a far worse thing than becoming a single mother. Wow. It is just shocking. Anyway, heading over to California and John MacArthur, who is the pastor of the Los Angeles Grace Community Church, who was a pretty, pretty prominent pastor during speaking out for uh, religious liberty during the COVID crisis mm. and challenging the California state government right the way through to the Supreme Court and winning during the COVID crisis, has just sent an open letter to uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom, condemning his recent pro-abortion billboard campaign that uses scripture to justify abortions. Get lost. Really? Yes. Oh, and you've got to see how he does it. It's just um, it's just bizarre. Anyway, um, he points out in the letter that Newsom's policies have led to a surge in homelessness, crime, homosexuality, transgenderism that is out of proportion with any other state in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, you've got uh, same-sex couples in California five times higher mm. than other states. You've got 
transgender students in year 11, 10.6% in some uh, counties in California. Massive figures like this. He says, I don't need to itemise or elaborate on the many immoral decisions you have perpetrated against God and the people of our state which have only exacerbated these problems. Now, this is what the billboards say. The billboards quote Mark 12.31, which reads, I want you to listen to this carefully, Lawson. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Okay, so there's something wrong here, isn't there? Yeah, there's something missing. Because there's one commandment and then it ends with... These, these, which is a plural. maybe he missed something out. <laughs> maybe he's misquoted the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's a hint right there in the word these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MacArthur points out you cannot love God as he commands while aiding in the murder of his image bearers. And just, you know, we always like to point out that this is a very sensitive topic and that it is going to be triggering for some people and we all have a past. Mm. We're not condemning anyone for their past. And if this is something that is triggering for you, 131114 is Mm. the lifeline number. We'd encourage you to give those guys a call. But at the same time, this is what is happening in the US. Mm. Uh, Newsom has also launched a $1 million uh, website, cost them $1 million to to create it to promote California's abortion services for out-of-staters. Uh, he also signed, just on this last Tuesday, signed a bill that prevents coroners from holding an inquest after a fetal death relating to or following known or suspected self-induced or criminal abortion. Mm. So this is pretty bizarre stuff that is going on in uh, the communist state of California. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's time for the quiz, Lawson. Go for it. What three words come next? Let us therefore come boldly unto the blank, blank, blank. 0491 is the number to call. Again, our prizes for this this morning, for this week. Keywords for the Christian faith have a future and he comes by Rain de Bruinsma. But again, that question was, what three words come next? Let us come boldly t- unto the throne. Ooh. I kind of gave, gave, gave another clue right there. But <laughs> anyway, right. this is Owen Shaw. We're continuing in the Owen Shaw saga. We've had this over a number of days. This is listening to Welcome his back, story. Everybody. We've got Owen Shaw in the studio this morning, continuing the Owen Shaw story. Last time we were here, we were talking about a tragic portion of his life where his marriage broke up, but God reached out to him through the story of Gideon to let him know that, hey, it doesn't matter how desperate things look. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. I haven't left you. Yeah, I think I was pretty much hiding in the wine press. Okay. I've also been running in the opposite direction. God's always asking me to come and do things, and yet I just turn my blind eye to it or pretend that it didn't happen. Things like that. I really want to challenge people that are out there to stand up for their faith, to actually realize why they are a Christian, because this is a cause, and it's a powerful cause. It's a cause that can change people's lives and it can actually heal them and their hearts. Absolutely. And at this point, my heart was not healed. <laughs> how did that healing come about? <sighs> to give you the degree of how much damage my ex had done to the house and to... It's like physical damage. Oh, yeah, physical, broken stuff. Physical damage to the house. The idea of it basically is that I had 60 free sessions from victim services from the police. Right. Counseling. 
Yeah. And <laughs> I, I hadn't been taking that counseling, avoiding all of that, trying to do the man thing, trying to, trying to be tough or whatever you want to call it. I think I didn't get messages that my relationship was on the rocks to start with. I mean, I was obviously sick and not very functional at mm-hmm. the time, but I also was struggling with the fact that I thought God had given me a gift. That's what your wife is. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody to be cherished and cared for and loved and respected and treated well and all these things, yet I still couldn't seem to keep it together. It wasn't until a train trip that I basically realized that God was in control and that I needed to just give up. A train trip as in you're just on the train in Sydney? or Oh, no, this was quite a circumstance. I'd been looking for a house. I've moved like a few times here. Sure. But I went to get a house and the real estate agent said, yep, you've got the house. It's yours. Come pick up the keys on Monday. Went to pick up the keys on Monday and she said, oh, look, I'm really sorry, but the house has been pulled off the market by the owner. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a story of my life. Uh-huh. And I didn't have enough time to go looking for another house. I basically called my lawyer. I was going through another court battle for my second daughter. This court battle, a little bit more amicable, but still all over the shop. We'd put a recovery order in for her. My lawyer rings me up about four days later and he says, where are you living? And I'm like, why do you want to know? He goes, oh, because we can't put this recovery order in if you're not in the matrimonial home. So straight away, I realized, oh my goodness, you know, God literally stopped me from getting that other house, Mm -hmm. right? But now I'm about to embark on a journey to see a client again. The problem is, is the fact that I really kind of don't have a house. What's interesting about that story is that typically when you miss out on a house, it's because another tenant... Mm came up who the landlord liked them better than they liked you. I mean, yeah. this happens all the time. I've had it happen to me on numerous occasions. You put out your 20 different applications and hope that one of them works out, whereas this time they actually pulled it off the market. Yeah. It's incredibly unusual. Uh, and I, I thought so too, but I didn't have time to really think about it until you realised that it left you in the matrimonial home, which left you with an opportunity to be able to win your daughter back. Yeah, my ex-wife was on a very destructive path. She was doing what she was doing. Mm. and she was really damaging herself further. I got text messages out of the blue from, I don't even know who this person was either. We conversed a little tiny bit. This message basically said, you need to trust in God for what he's doing in your life, and just remember that when you're on the devil's territory, he has the right to rob you. Did you ever find out who sent these messages? (laughs) I, I don't even know their name, honestly. To this day. Yeah, she sent me poems and she sent me stuff like that and, you know. Just to encourage you along. Yeah, there's some some serious poems that just gave me encouragement as I was moving along. But I'm still not believing what God's even done in my life at this point. I'm still kind of angry with him. Why are you doing this to me after all these decisions? I can tell you because I chose that partner, not God. And I'll tell you a story later about how I've let God actually choose my next relationship. The story starts with me also struggling with my past and I still hadn't gotten my past out of my future. still very much a part of my existence. I left for Melbourne really, really early in the morning. It was about 5 a.m. Why did you catch the train? 
Oh, yeah, it's coming. Okay. <laughs> it's coming. Because, I mean, normally you go to Melbourne, you jump on a plane. Yeah. As I'm going towards the airport, drop my daughter off really early in the morning. It's about 8 a.m. It wasn't 8 a.m. Sorry, my flight was at 8 a.m. Dropped her off really, really early, 5 a.m. And then I was heading for the plane and there was an accident on the freeway and I missed the flight. Sydney. Sydney. We've all done that so many times. No, it was like three hours of traffic. Oh, it wasn't It wasn't the normal not an average one accident. and a bit, you know, where you get around it. No, this yeah. is three hours of traffic. And I rang the client in Melbourne and I said, oh, look, do you still want me to come? I can get a later flight. He's like, yep, come. So I jumped onto the app and booked another flight at nine o'clock and managed to make it to that flight. When I landed in Melbourne, I went to all the counters to rent a car. I'd done it a hundred times, maybe even a thousand times. I didn't pre-book the car because I never do. And as I get down to the counters, I start going from counter to counter because I'm like, do you have a car to rent? And they're like, no, there's nothing. I'm was like, there some big event on or something? No, there was nothing. I Googled everything trying to find what was going on. This is crazy. I had $150 my, so I couldn't really get anything more expensive. Mm-hmm. And I went to the last counter and she's like, yep, yeah, we've got a car. I'm like, yes, sweet. She's like, it's $600 a day. Ooh, I'm like, oh. What kind of a car do they give you for that? I'd like to drive that car. I don't know. It better been a Rolls Royce or something. Yeah, I'd like to take it for whatever it was. I'd love to take it for a spin. I don't even know what it was. But uh, I think it was I like know a, I would enjoy it. I think it was a Mercedes-Benz executive style thing. Anyway, that's not part of the story. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that very begrudgingly, my work was out at Geelong. And so I have to go and catch a train. Mm. And I hate trains. Right. With a vengeance. (laughs) So I go and jump on a train. And by the time I get to the client, because the train trip is an hour and a half long, it's nearly 12 o'clock. So now I have to work late into the evening to get the work done. Yep. I get the work done. And I'm hating life at this point. I'm miserable. This is a couple of months after I'd split. You know, it still hurts. Oh, yeah. It hurts for ages. And I'd been given this message not to pine off my ex. Actually, very interesting point. The message that I got was, and this is a whole other story, but don't be in love with the gift, be in love with the giver. The The wife was the gift, the giver was God. Yes. That's profound. Mm. And... That actually coincides with the story of Elisha by the babbling brook Mm. where the ravens are bringing him food. He's in love with the ravens that bring him food and he curses God when they stop. Yep. The river dries up and he curses God when they stop. And you know what? God said, you're in love with the gift, not the giver. Go to Zarephath, there's something better. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm feeling at this point. I get to the train station to go back to Southern Cross Station and it's about 6.30 at night and it was cold and it was wet. Welcome to Melbourne. Yes. And (laughs) the rain is literally blowing sideways. Uh It's like you can't avoid it on the train station anywhere. Yep. And I'm just like, is this life? Is this where it ends? You know, maybe I should just end this in front of this train when it comes. I'm so over this life. I'm so over the damage that my relationship has caused to even myself. Mm. And as I'm standing there, (laughs) I go to get a packet of chips out of the chip machine. And as I do, it gets stuck. It's that little bit of comfort. I hadn't eaten Mm. all day. Like I didn't get lunch. 
I just did the work and went yep. straight to the train station. So I'm pretty hungry at this point. And you've still got to get all the way back to Sydney. And the chip packet just got jammed in the chip machine. I'm ropeable at this point. I'm really ropeable. And there's this guy that's standing to the left of me. The thing that I remember about him is just pure white hair. And you know what he does? He comes over to me and he starts talking to me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, no. I do not want to hear from a person right now. I don't need this. He starts talking. He says, oh, you, you're having a bit of a bad day, are you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Nonchalant answers. I don't want to talk. I'm really trying to avoid him. I kind of move off to the right a bit. Lo and behold, he starts moving off to the right next to me. And he keeps talking to me. And he says, what's going on? And I just said something nonchalant about not having a relationship anymore. Mm. <laughs> just going through a marriage. Bust up. And he says, oh, yeah, my nephew's gone through the same thing. He just keeps talking to me. Then eventually the train comes and I go and I sit down on the train and there's the seats that you can push over. Yep. I sit purposely in this seat where there's one that's... You can have you know, it yourself. Yeah, I can have it to myself. And lo and behold, this guy comes and pushes the seat over with that screeching... <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is never going to end. I've got an hour and a bit trip back to Southern Cross Station and I'm hating life right now. I don't even know how to describe the feeling. And I can't get rid of him. He just keeps speaking to me as if he knows who I am. And I'm just kind of a little bit bewildered by it. He first of all starts asking me how I'm getting home. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I haven't even booked a flight. So I open up the phone app and look at Jetstar, $470 a flight back to Sydney. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So you know what? I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to go with my mate who was a drug dealer in Melbourne. And he drives back and forward from Sydney. Right. And, and he, his trips back and forward for Sydney, he wasn't catching public transport or aeroplanes because of the cargo, I'm thinking? Probably. I, I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> or even ask that question yep. at the time. I'm I'll thinking. ask that question. Okay, so for those of you who may have missed the early segments of Owen Shaw's story, at one stage you were running nightclubs in Melbourne mm. and you were involved with the triads down there, the drug scene and so forth, mm. was... Rather fortunate not to end up behind bars. So what, did you call him up? That was my intention. Right. The gentleman just keeps speaking to me and he says, oh, how are you getting home? I said, I'm going to go with a mate. And you know what he said? He said, I don't want you to do that. I'm like, hmm, what? Uh, why would you even so say of, that? Yeah, it's a random thing to say because, I mean, if he's picked up on the fact that you're struggling with some issues, doing a road trip with a mate is surely a good thing. That's got to be a positive thing, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I never thought of it like that, actually. It's completely mm. counterproductive to... Yeah. I mean, if I was doing counselling for someone, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go and hang out with my mate and we're going to do a road trip together. I'm like, that's good. You know, you've got some time to debrief and talk through stuff and get stuff off your chest. And Yeah, so he doesn't stop talking there. He says, where are you living? <laughs> I'm like, what? what does that have to... Okay, I'm living in the matrimonial home, you know, like where I was. And he says, oh, well, I've got a message from God for you. And I'm like, what? You've got a message from God for me? God's told me that it's now time to move. I'm like whoa, because I'm kind of listening at this point because, you know, there is no way he could have known that that was on my heart, that mm. being in the matrimonial home was really 
hammering my sense of self and because of all the memories that you have in that home and the, the what ifs, what if I had just done this or what if I had done it differently or, and those what ifs are, are put there by the enemy, I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. He just keeps talking. Are you accepting any counselling? I'm like, what? And you've been given counselling, like no, what, 60 sessions 60, by the police? 60 sessions from victim services from the police and there is no way he could have possibly known that that was the case. I mean, that's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of counselling right there. Yeah, and he says, you have always considered your wife as a gift and you're struggling with letting her go. I have another message from God for you. I'm like, what is this guy on? He says, I want to tell you that she was a gift for your journey, but her time in your life is finished and you need to move on. This, this is mm -hmm. what he's actually... Mm -hmm. I have not said two words to him. He is literally just talking to me as if he knows me. Mm -hmm. And then... Wow. <laughs> yep, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Don't, don't leave us hanging. As <laughs> He says, look, God wants you to have counselling because God's never going to use you in the way he's intending if you don't actually deal with your past. Mm. For those that are out there that are struggling with things... I want to challenge you to go and get some help and to, you know, accept the the counsel of those that are around you mm. that is meant in kindness. Surround yourself with people that have meaning in your life. I really want to tap into that right now. And if you're struggling to find somebody to talk to, you know, give us a call here, 0491064669. We'd love to connect you if we can. Mm. because Australia is a big place, obviously, but we'd love to connect you if we can to somebody who can provide some counselling and provide some therapy and take the advice that Owen is putting out there because, I mean, particularly for us guys, it's not something we do. We're we fine. We're good. We, we can handle it ourselves. We struggle on the train station. and Thinking the, about the, jumping in front of the next train. Yeah. That's honestly how fathers go about it, especially when they're kept from their, their children. Nobody talks about this stuff on radio or anywhere. And I know that this sounds like a very personal opinion, but I want to challenge all those parents that are going through a separation or going through a divorce to be amicable with your partner. Don't label them anything that they're not. They're just trying to make it through to the next day as well, just like you are. We're all broken human beings. Correct. In need of the grace of God. So often we see in divorces that, you know, you start to get this tit for tat happening and in mm. a very short space of time it escalates into all that nuclear war. Yep, I've done it twice. Okay, so the guy on the train, he is speaking directly into your life. You're kind of spinning out because, like, how does he know so much? I mean, he's told you to go and basically get some counselling, use those vouchers. You've got, you've got the, 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 the police have provided it for you, so go ahead and use them. Is that all he had to say? Nope. He actually pulled my head down, and this is so weird and random, not something that can happen Well, like he grabbed COVID. you by the head? Yeah, he literally put his hand behind my head and pulled it down very gently, and he started praying on the train. This is a completely random person I have never met. And, and even for a Christian? Yep. That's a tad weird. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And it was a sermon of a prayer. Sure. He prayed over my life, and he just said, can you fill Owen with the Holy Spirit and direct his life in everything that he does? Can you take over his life completely? And can you help him to surrender? Can you help him to be... Your Gideon. Wow, he went there. Yeah. He went to Gideon. 
He went there. So you've had six sermons on Gideon and then you meet a guy on the train and it's just like God's like, yeah, I'm just going to remind you about those six sermons. I know, yeah, you, I know you heard the message. Just a little bit. But just, just let me just toss that in there so that you know I'm actually talking to you here. Look, this is the thing. I asked his name. He said it was David. And the only thing that I could think of was David the shepherd. That was the role he was fulfilling. Yeah, God sends his shepherds out to guide the sheep, the lost, the one in the 99 back. And I felt like that one. This is a person who, when they're going out into the public, prays that God will lead them to somebody they can minister to and then looks for that person. Mm. Not everybody does that. But that's the kind of person that you're meeting right here. This is funny because we got off the train and as I just had this experience where he was trying to get, you know, stay next to me. As he gets off the train, he just walks off and he actually turns around and he comes back towards me. And I'm like, great, he's going to be allowing us to continue this conversation. He's probably going to give me his phone number. We're going to have a good chat. It's going to be great. And you know what he does? He doesn't get close enough to even do that. He just yells out from, you know, four or five meters away. He goes, check flights again. Okay, so flights with Jetstar, which is your, your cheap 400. flights, 400 bucks. Yep. And flights don't go down, they go up because you're booking a last-minute flight. Yep. Yeah, correct. And so I'm standing on the, the station at Southern Cross, and I open the app up again for Jetstar, and I kid you not, the price in front of my eyes changed from 450 to 150 And you right? had 157 in your pocket? Yep. <laughs> ah, but you see, now I have another conundrum. I don't have a way to get to Tullamarine Airport. I'm right. literally at Southern Cross Station with about seven bucks left yep. after buying the flight. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to buy the flight. I'm just trusting in you for this. As I ran towards the Sky Bus, the girl is hanging out the window with the ticket and she didn't even want me to pay for it. So I grabbed the ticket off her and I run down to the bus and she's like, hurry, hurry, it's leaving now, quick. So I run down to the bus. Oh, you're still at what, Southern Cross? Yeah, I'm still at Southern Cross. Mm-hmm. And the bus takes 40 minutes to get yeah. to Tullamarine Airport. I've caught that bus. And then you have to get through security. It takes an hour and 15 minutes minimum. Yeah. I might be leaving at a particular time, but that's when it leaves, not when you get on board. Yeah, and so I'm sitting on this bus and I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm going to miss another flight. Like, no way. So now you're going to be stuck with zero money. Wait, it gets worse. As we get out onto the freeway, there's serious, serious roadworks. I'm like, oh, goodness, two flights in one day. I'm just sitting there absolutely distraught. As we're sitting behind the roadworks, the lady that was driving the bus gets on the announcement. She says, hey, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm taking this bus off the freeway in an effort to try and get people there on time. So she takes this double bendy sky bus off the freeway down these back streets and she's hooning. She's doing 90 Ks in a 60 zone, I swear. In a bendy bus. In a bendy bus, going over bumps. This thing's swaying around. I'm like, I'm not even going to make it to the airport. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get a day like this anywhere. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> As I get to the airport, she's like, oh, I've got to stop at T3 for 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I'm at T4. Yep. All right. So as she pulls into T3, I'm like, I've got to run. I'm going to run. Yep. So I run all the way to T4. It takes me another 10 minutes. My flight's already supposed to have taken off. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, you know, ring my mom or something. Yep. 
I, I get through security and I run all the way to the gate. It's empty. The door's closed. Just a big counter in front of me. I run up to the counter and I whack my hand on the counter in anger. <laughs> this lady pops her head up from behind the counter and she says, Oh, were you meant to be on this flight? I'm like, uh-huh. She says, huh, we've been delayed 40 minutes. Would you like to get on? Wait a minute, there's nobody there. So they've already boarded? Yeah, so they've already boarded. The and door's closed. closed. And she says... So everyone's just been sitting out on the tarmac. Well, not on the tarmac. They still had the aero bridge. Yeah, yeah, still, yep. Yeah, and I, I sank into my seat on that plane just literally marveling at my God because he's shown that he has control of my life. Yes. And that he is with me every single step of the way. Even when you're standing on a train station thinking about throwing yourself in front of the next train as it comes through, he has not forgotten you, he has not left you, he has sent somebody to minister to you, and on top of that, he's got you home. Praise God. We're going to come back with more of Owen Shaw's story. We've got more to tell. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.